You're listening to The CNC Report, a weekly media production of cncreport.com. During the week, I'm president of Pearson Industries, but for now, I'm your host, Jay Pearson. Hey, welcome everybody back to The CNC Report. We've been on a little hiatus, a winter break, if you will. Now, we're not like uh, television shows where, you know, they take summers off while the actors go and do their movies. We're on the opposite schedule. Or at least I'm declaring that. We take winters and, and uh, a portion of the spring off. So I hope you guys uh, have enjoyed the break. I have too. I've been busy doing a lot of new things, which I'll probably cover in future episodes. But it's great to be back. Great to have your ears and your attention. We really appreciate it. Now, over the break, we covered, uh, well, actually, uh, not me, but the, the cncreport.com staff. They covered a lot of really cool issues. Uh, and gosh, I couldn't help but not comment on some of these. A uh, few articles really got people fired up, and uh, others maybe not fired up, but I want you to know more about them. Uh, one of them, <laughs> this was like the, the the big daddy of all of them, was our uh, illegal immigration story. Now, of course, illegal immigration is such a huge topic in, in uh, the news and among politicians, mostly fueled by the media um, and politicians having to respond to it, take positions on it. So, you know, we've seen a lot of bills get shot down, like the McCain-Kennedy bill. Uh, It was almost like an amnesty bill, in my opinion. Uh, Got shot down big time. Uh, I remember when I was living in Los Angeles, uh, one of the stations, the AM stations I listened to there, had uh, they were just reporting that, you know, the, the constituents had literally shut down and jammed up Washington, D.C.'s uh, telephone switchboards that, that they they just, you know, they stopped taking calls and had to shut down the system for a while because of the this McCain-Kennedy bill that got shot down big time. And the American public was mad. They spoke out and uh, the power of the pen wasn't needed because the power of the telephone is what uh, really convinced them. And, and actually, media outlets like uh, talk radio and uh, hopefully maybe smaller guys uh, like me and, and different bloggers that are putting in their two cents and and, and not just putting in their opinions because everyone's got an opinion, but putting in logical, uh, rational decisions. So anyway, uh, yeah, that's why I think our legal immigration article got such such attention, I guess you could say. Now, for those of you who missed the article, it basically is a video post featuring uh, CNN's Lou Dobbs. Now, Lou Dobbs is a proponent for government enforcement of immigration laws. Go figure. <laughs> a guy that's all for the government doing what they should be doing. Yeah, it's a crazy concept, isn't it? Anyway, he's one of the leading figures in the media uh, to, to really fight illegal immigration. Now, now, before I go any further, I realize that I need to highlight a word in in this phrase and and I'll, I'll be using it often and the word is illegal please don't lose sight of that word very important illegal as in illegal immigration now as you may know or will soon find out from the video that uh, my father Joel Pearson is actually interviewed by CNN in this Lou Dobbs segment now he's got a great story about how illegal immigration has directly affected his business and I guarantee you that it may potentially be affecting yours and maybe not even know it 
I mean, your business might be affected right now because of this issue. This is always a hot topic, and it's heavily commented on at our webpage, like I mentioned. And, and actually, in all honesty, half of the comments did not even make it onto the page because they were just flat-out inappropriate, rude, uh, racist at times. Um, so we, we only took... Uh, we had to filter out through some of them, and we only took the ones that, that painted rational arguments, and even some of the comments are just flat-out irrational and don't make sense. But that's okay. We love free speech and, and the ability to uh, sound off your own opinions. But then again, opinions are like armpits. Everyone's got a couple, and they all stink. Anyway, th there only seems to be um, a handful, in my opinion, a handful of arguments on both sides, for and against illegal immigration. I've, I've really found that the ones for illegal immigration so often confused or confuse illegal immigration with legal immigration. And they come to the conclusion that people against illegal immigration are racist. Well, you know, honestly, I can't really blame them for that opinion if you're confusing illegal immigration with legal immigration. I mean, think about that. See, I am a product of, I guess you could say I'm a product of legal immigration. My mom, my entire family uh, immigrated here from El Salvador. And, you know, she came here on a student visa because she was ambitious. She knew the United States was an amazing country. She was drawn to it for its opportunities. She completed her schooling, later met my dad. Uh, they got married really quick, uh, and five years later, here I appeared on the face of the earth. Now, uh, since then, my mom was the oldest in her family, and since then, uh, her sisters and brother uh, have all moved here, but they've immigrated here legally, and to this day, they're all U.S. citizens. Uh, the, the greatness of the U.S. is what originally drew my mom to this country, and the opportunities it gave her were so greatly appreciated. And out of that appreciation, she followed U.S. law, became a productive member of society, and embraced the U.S. culture. Now, she didn't try and infiltrate the culture. She didn't try and uh, fight for rights or, you know... Uh, get the local school to open up a Latin studies department or join any uh, uh, Hispanic groups, things like that, okay? She didn't, she didn't try and do any of that stuff. She embraced it as well as her siblings and their spouses, okay? It, it, it's, it's a gift to, to come to the United States and to be a part of this society and to ultimately take the biggest step of responsibility and to embrace it as a U.S. citizen. Now, I, I sidetracked a little to give you a little background, but, you know, I am all for legal immigration and completely against illegal immigration. Illegal immigration. And this story on CNN highlights the future of legal immigration enforcement. Now, it's going to be done at the civil level. Now, too often, the U.S. government just falls short of enforcing laws. And, and the, you know, it's there's lots of laws, and I can't expect law enforcement to enforce everything at all times, okay? 
but uh, this is getting more and more attention. You would think they would be doing a little bit more. Now, I know they're building a wall. I know that they've beefed up security along the border, things like that, which are good steps uh, toward, towards taking care of this problem. However, the immediate reaction of people that are just tired of it is that it, it'll be handled at the civil level. Now, this is happening because businesses fail or they may be seriously diminished due to unfair competition by someone hiring an illegal, undocumented laborer. And if this happens, say, say company A is hiring an, an illegal, undocumented worker, paying them low wages, not paying into Medicare, workman's comp, uh, not withholding taxes, Basically, Company A is hurting Company B, who's playing by the rules, hiring documented workers, paying Medicare, paying taxes. Well, that really does hurt. I mean, in the construction industry, I think half of that, my, my best friend's a contractor, and he says, you know, he if he hires a guy at $10 an hour, sometimes it can cost upwards of $19, $20 to keep him employed because of all the... The workman's comp, especially in construction, uh, and uh, just the, the taxes and, and everything, it piles up. And also, he's in California; taxes are a little higher out there. Uh, and now I'm comparing it to to Texas. But yeah, Company B doesn't stand a chance, especially in an industry where labor is the driving force of production. Now, it's not that big of a deal in the manufacturing, more specifically CNC machining. Uh, industry because you know machines are doing a lot of work and I'm gonna tie this point in at the end uh, keep that in mind though but company B is then enforcing immigration laws by going after company A legally in a court of law now we're not seeing this a lot but it is starting to happen and this CNN story uh, you know stay tuned it it will happen of course i think the best source to stay tuned on this specific example is from this show uh because i'm personally involved in it so i'll, I'll let you know all along the way as long as the attorneys let me now i've really got a unique perspective uh on this whole situation because i recently relocated as you know to austin texas from the los angeles area and I've now been removed from a culture that is heavily affected by illegal immigration and I'm now living in what some call a, a sanctuary city, you know, a city that, uh, you know, doesn't really enforce immigration laws, doesn't check IDs when police officers stop people, that type of thing. Um, now, I can tell you this, the difference between this sanctuary city and living in Southern California is night and day. I mean, it doesn't even compare. The cultural, social, and economic differences are very different. Now, my point is most people that are removed from seeing the everyday effects of illegal immigration are more likely to not be so adamant about it. You know, having lived here for the past year in Austin, I'm just not that bothered by the talk of illegal immigration and what we need to do and what our politicians should be doing. It just doesn't affect me on such a deep level anymore. Now, that's because I'm, a, I'm, I'm removed. I, I don't see its effects every day. And I used to in the Los Angeles area, absolutely. 
it breaks down, like I said, cultural, social, and economic uh, ways. Because I don't see it on an everyday basis, I'm not as willing to, you know, uh, write about it. I'm not, you know, willing to pick up a phone and call a congressman. It's just not an issue. It's as if gas prices were lower in my area. I wouldn't be complaining about high gas prices. It's still a problem. Maybe it hasn't hit Austin as much as it has in Southern California. It's still an issue, not downplaying it, but I just can't get fired up like I used to. Now, one of the, I've got to cover this, one of the lamest arguments for illegal immigration that I hear so often is that, for example, the price of a head of lettuce or any any other produce will double in price if we if we stop illegal immigration. You know what I say? Personally, I say so what? I'm gladly willing to pay double for produce so that my local hospital stays open and doesn't get forced to close because their ER is bankrupted so that my insurance rates for my car are lower because I'm not having to insure so many uninsured motorists and so that crime rates are lower because honestly there's this you know whenever there's a group of people who are of lower income and you couple that with these low income workers that they have children that are not being supervised because the parents need to go work several jobs it creates crime that's not a racial thing I'm saying. It's it's a fact. Lower income, for some reason, equals higher crime rate. You, you couple that lower income with the, the fact that there's not family uh, around uh, on a daily basis, and the kids start to join gangs. They start to uh, create their own type of culture within schools, within uh, their micro-societies. They, they get divisive, and then you have crime, you have racial tension, it gets ugly. And yeah, I would I would definitely pay double, if not triple, for the price of vegetables to have those problems go away. Now, <laughs> I don't even like vegetables. If it weren't for my wife, I probably wouldn't eat too many unless I was eating the lettuce on my burger from the uh, local McDonald's or whatever fast food place. But anyway, besides that, when an industry tries to eliminate uh, or reduce labor, uh, what do they replace it with? Historically, it's been machinery, and of course, we know machinery is produced in machine shops. Maybe your shop. Now, if there's any group that you would think would be against illegal immigration, don't you think it'd be machine shops? I mean, look at uh, the harvesters out on the the Great Plains. Man, that was a highly labor-intensive industry for, for decades of people, you know, cutting down grain and separating it. Now, man, have you seen these machines that go along cutting hay? And uh, they, they just plow right into the hay and out the back of the machine spits out a finished hay bale? I mean, are you kidding me? <laughs> Can you imagine if you would have taken one of those machines and, and ran it back a couple hundred years? It would blow people's minds. Okay, and that's all a product of our modern machine technology. And machine shops are the one that produce it. So as a machine shop owner myself and you, maybe you're an employee, your paycheck might go up, your profits might go up. A lot of things could potentially be increased if the U.S. were to enforce laws on illegal 
immigration. Maybe a stretch, but it's possible. Yeah, and I hear the cynics out there saying, oh, we'll send production over to China. Maybe, but you know what? We're at least going to have a chance. Anyway, what do you think? I want you to go to the end of this uh, the, the page that this podcast is listed on and uh, post your comments. I'd love to hear from you. Now, this next article I wanted to cover on the, from the website is about Haas's new Mini Mill 2. Now, the Mini Mill and Super Mini Mill have been around for close to eight years, maybe seven or eight years, but now they're coming out with the Mini Mill 2 and Super Mini Mill 2. I'll tell you why I like this machine. First of all, Mini Mill 2 uh, is perfect for any machinist or machine shop that's just starting up. It retails for $35,995, very affordable, and one of the best things about it is that it runs on single phase power or three phase power. Now what that means is say you're venturing out to start a a business or maybe you really want a nice uh, legitimate three axis CNC machine, you can put this right in the garage of your house and run it off residential uh, power. Uh, It has a cutting table capacity, well it has a, a cutting capacity of 20 inches in the X, 16 in the Y, and 14 in the Z. Uh, this is a four inch increase on each axis over the original mini mill. Uh, it's got 10, uh, well, these are the standard things. It's got a 10 pocket tool changer, 6,000 RPM spindle. Uh, of course, it has the same Haas control that all the other Haas controls have. 600 inches per minute rapids, 500 inches per minute cutting feeds, which you'll only deal with if you're cutting maybe plastic or wood, uh, very rarely would you ever go that fast in metal. Like I said, it goes uh, runs from single or three-phase power, and it's small. I mean, it's got such a small footprint. The maximum height is 100 inches with the column all the way up. The, the maximum width is 85 inches. Uh, I believe that's with the door open. Um, no, I don't know. I th- Well, I'll just go with their stats, 85 inches, and the depth is 93 inches. So... It's really compact, but packs a punch. It's also got a few upgrades that I'm a big fan of. First of all, it's got the ability to add on a 24 plus one tool changer. It's a side mount tool changer. It holds 24 tools plus one in the spindle. Other upgrades include uh, programmable coolant where you can point the coolant nozzle through G-code or M-code. It's got rigid tapping. Man, (laughs) never ever own a machine without rigid tapping. It is just one of those things you have to have. High-speed machining, that may be debatable. My machines have it, but uh, I don't know if I'm getting all of the the benefits that I could be having. Maybe I'm not noticing it, but yeah. anyway, you can do high-speed machining. A chip auger is another option. Uh, Well, a coolant pump kit is an option, but of course you've got to have a coolant pump. And uh, one of the things that I really like is the ability to add a fourth or fifth axis drive. If you're, if you got like a little rotary, uh, like a 5C rotary, call it thing, um, it, it can it can move that as if it were not just an indexer where it moves and then you drill, moves and you mill. It, it will actually interpolate it where, it, say, you want to put like a, a twisted or a spiral keyway around a round part. It'll it'll turn and interpolate it as if it is a live fourth axis. That's it's a nice thing. 
Now I mentioned the 24 plus one tool changer. It's also got another umbrella style 20 pocket tool changer also. That's another option. The Super Mini Mill 2, it has a 15,000 RPM spindle option. Standard is 10, 1,200 inches per minute. Uh, same size of table and same travels. Uh, it's faster. And, and the standard tool changer, man, it's fast. It's almost scary fast. You know, if you're at a trade show and you see some machine hogging away at some material or changing tools a mile a minute and you kind of take a step back, that's the speed that you see on this high-speed tool changer. It's it's a little intimidating how fast tools move in and out. Uh, so that's it. I don't I don't want to turn this into a Haas uh, commercial. It's just something I really like. My first legitimate vertical machine center was a mini mill. I still have it. Still love it. Close to my heart. Now it it used to be and maybe still does get a bad rap in the industry. Um, even a Haas salesman last year poo pooed my machine and told me that it was quote unquote good for second op work in aluminum. Now I know he possibly wanted to sell me a machine twice the size and most likely twice the cost. But honestly, as a satisfied user, we've cut everything from plastic and aluminum all the way up to heat treated stainless and cast iron on a regular basis. And it's an awesome machine. I mean, I still cut accurately to one ten thousandth of an inch to this day. And all this from an eight-year-old machine. Um, and, and Haas is just definitely no longer the whipping boy in the industry. Now, instead, they're, they're whooping up on everyone. And, and uh, anyway, I'm not sure if it's available yet, but I'll keep you posted on when the uh, launch date on that machine is. Now, another article was, uh, oh, man. How could I not mention our new product from Pearson Industries? Okay, it's called the Speed Hammer. I hope you've seen it. If not, um, let me tell you a little something about it. Now, I don't machine as much as I used to anymore, uh, but when I did, I absolutely hated having to you know, crank the vice handle, stop, turn around, pick up the mallet or the hammer, tap the parts down, put it down, give the vice handle maybe a little extra tap or torque, you know, and then and then press start. You know, when you're running all these parts, that gets so repetitive, and I hated it because I, I just hated the fact of like, okay, I, you know, now I got the vice handle on. Wait, where'd the mallet go? Or, okay, I got the mallet in my hand. Where's the darn vice handle? I put it right here. So tired of that. So what I did was I created this product where it's a two-in-one. It's basically a light mallet for tapping down parts in a vise, but right in the middle of the handle, it's got a, a, a hex that works with any six or eight inch standard type Kurt vise. It's great. I love it. I've been using it for years, um, and we've got a slightly different model than what I'm selling. It's just an older prototype that we still use the, pro the, the prototype to this day and love it. So here's what I want you to do. Do yourself a favor, buy one, actually buy three, okay, and use it. You'll, you'll love it. Uh, and give us your feedback once you get it. And, uh, oh, along the same lines, this is the last thing I'm going to plug for my company. Uh, that might be a lie, but anyways. Uh, along the same lines, we're offering a downloadable drawing for uh, one of our soft jaws. Uh, it's, a, it's called the smart jaws because it really is soft jaws that make sense. Um, it's an excellent product that costs nothing. It's absolutely free. Uh, you don't have to pay a dime. I 
that's free free okay I don't need to go into it it's free type in your email and it will be automatically emailed to you and oh and don't worry we won't spam you I hate spam I hate spam and I would never do that to you the only thing that we do say is that yeah you're gonna go on a mailing list and we might mail you as as much as four times a year I don't even see that happening I think we're only gonna prepare uh, one email for the rest of the year and in the remaining six or seven months of the year whatever however long it is because um, we've got another product that's launching in a few few weeks here so everyone's gonna get an email on that and I'll also talk about that new product here on the program see right there right there proving myself uh, wrong I'm definitely gonna <laughs> make more commercials for my company anyway um, yeah go and download that it's a nice design that's easy on easy off there's four usable sides per jaw instead of one why haven't people been doing this for decades I don't know the only thing we ask is don't go don't go mass producing it and selling it you know we could have done that but we didn't we chose to give it to you for free use it for your own shop give the the, the drawing to a buddy go to your local uh, trade school and have the the students make a bunch for themselves uh, actually that would be a good project for the beginning of the year you know they make a bunch of uh, soft jaws for themselves but anyway we're not we're not in the sell and honestly because there's not much profit in soft jaws these days we'd rather give it away uh, to you guys and, and uh, give the the industry a little bit of a freebie there and uh, what else okay finally this, this is the last article I'll go over where we're kind of running long but uh, most of you you know oh by the way before I go on Thank you so much for the encouraging words and the calls that I've gotten. Uh, we took when we were taking this break. Um, I knew we would take this break. Uh, didn't really think anyone would care, uh, but yeah, the the listeners out there have been been fans. They've been troopers, and they they've been saying, "Man, really looking forward to that uh, that next episode." And uh, here we are, season two, season two of the CNC Report. Okay. So thank you for your support. Really appreciate it. And uh, we've actually got several episodes already in the can ready to release. So anyway, okay, let's wrap it up here. This final article, um, kind of a hot subject, um, but it was about eBay. More specifically, shill bidding on eBay. Now, if you don't know what it is, um, it's basically when you have a seller on eBay and their product is selling for a you know an inexpensive price and you bid it and then someone else bids it and then another person bids it up and finally you really want this and and you end up buying it but what has happened is there's been a bunch of shill bidders who are just there to raise the price and and basically the the article goes on to say you know that this is a problem it happens uh, and, and I just want to bring it up in this program because I think more of you need to know it. Now, there's a lot of people looking for great deals out on eBay. I'm one of them. I sell through eBay. Not that great of a, of a selling market because the fees are tremendously high and uh, the exposure is great. And more or less, we use it for advertising. But as a buyer, you, you got to watch yourselves. Uh, one of the best ways is to look at who you're bidding against. And then, and then look at, uh, maybe jot a few names down and look at the seller's other items and their completed auctions and see if the same bidder is bidding and running up prices. You'll see this. You can go back into their history, look at the, the feedback. Um, I don't know if you could do this for feedback. Well, you can look through their previous auctions and then just look at the names of people who didn't win. 
you'll see that a lot of people are just bidding on stuff just to bid it up. And of course, it's, it's not other people, it's the seller. eBay is definitely not going to do anything about this because obviously the higher the sale price, the higher eBay's profits are. Of course, the practice is illegal according to eBay's terms of service, but I know they turn a blind eye. Now, as a matter of fact, there, there is one seller in particular in actually our, our category, in the machine tools category. I'm not going to name this person, but they are, they are a power seller. And they're actually, I think if you go to their profile, they're actually pictured with executives or managers receiving an award from eBay for their performance. <laughs> now, I've known of this seller for several years, and they are one of the worst offenders I've ever seen when it comes to shill bidding. And eBay is proudly giving awards to this, this seller. Uh, check it out for yourselves. They do a lot of volume. Now, maybe you're buying something and you're bidding against a shill bidder. But if you're buying it for a decent price and you're happy, then it's it's pretty much no big deal. You're happy, the seller's happy, the shill bidder is happy. Of course, the shill bidder is actually the seller in this case, so there's only two parties that are happy, so you know what I mean. Um, just watch out. I just want to bring attention to that. Uh, go in, read these articles. There's actually two articles on shill bidding on eBay. One, the last one, is a little lengthy. It was submitted to us as a comment. It was so in-depth that we turned it into an actual posting. And you, too can appear on the pages of cncreport.com. All you need to do if there's a topic that you're passionate about and you want to write in, go ahead and do that. We might just publish it. Um, so, hey, that's it. You know, it's it's great to be back. That's it for this week's show. Uh, next week, I give practical tips for quoting, for preparing, presenting, and profiting from competitive quoting. Now, if you are a member of mfgquote.com, you have to tune in, okay? It's gonna be a must because these tips, a lot of them apply directly to you. I've mentioned in other shows that I'm a buyer on MFG and I've found great suppliers through it. I love the system. You've got to tune in. I've got perspective that will help you win more jobs on mfgquote.com. Well, that's it. Make sure to catch us Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Central Time for new episodes or anytime from our archives at cncreport.com or iTunes. Just search my name, search uh, CNC Report, uh, uh, Machine. It's bound to come up. So yeah, that's those are the two methods you can find us. Thanks again for listening. Again, I appreciate your letters, your calls, your comments, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to The CNC Report, a weekly media production found exclusively at iTunes and cncreport.com. Make sure and tune in next time for the latest topics that affect your world of CNC machining. I've been your host, Jay Pearson. Thanks for listening.